Coming all the way from Canada. You done traveling all the world. Bring to you right here this rap. Live from T Dot. From the 416. You know how we do. Up north. You know how we do up north. Up late, all night, working in the studio. Writing rhymes, making dimes, working on my flow. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back to the Evening queue. It has been a hot minute. Um, this is Misha Peterzak filling in for Miles Wolf. Uh, again, you know, Miles, I don't know where he is. He's somewhere uh, in the world on vacation or something. So we'll, uh, yeah, just fill in and do a interview with a very special guest um, today. Haven't seen him in... Oh, probably a year or so, and uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Your name is? My name is Casey Callahan. It's a pleasure being on the podcast. Excellent, man. Yeah, so, you know, Kate, uh, I guess I'll just start off with, um, you know, uh, basically telling telling uh, people a little bit about, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Where do you What do you do for work? What do I do for How's work? How's everything going? Yeah, so I work at home, so I work for a software company, um, our so- Company, our software is used by companies in manufacturing and distribution. So basically, I help them use it in whatever way that that might be. And so I live in White Rock, BC. I've been in the greater Vancouver area my whole life. I love getting a sense of our local roads our, and getting out and about as often as I can. Oh, yeah. You, you say you like getting out on the local roads. Um, I assume you're, you're obeying all the laws and everything? <laughs> of course. Well, um, yeah. Do you, do you enjoy living in White Rock? Like, let's say for um, let's say for for trap for uh, tra- road tripping and traveling. Let's say, uh, is it good access to uh, certain destinations? So or? there are a couple of nice things about White Rock that these days during twenty twenty one isn't always as easy to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. White Rock is probably again. I can get into downtown Vancouver in around let's say an hour or so. However. I can also get myself down to the States quickly, too. So White Rock, BC is like around a f- five-minute drive from the U.S.-Canadian border, which in pre-pandemic times is fantastic to be able to. It was to. great, wasn't it? <laughs> it was the best. Being able to save money on gas, but also all of the American dining culture. I know. American highways. And then also being able to justifiably go down to Seattle for a day trip or, heh, Very further, true. fly out of Seattle to go somewhere. Exactly. I mean, uh, did did you, I can't remember. I don't know if I asked you before. Do you have, do you have Nexus as well? I or? do have Nexus. Yeah. Nexus, I would highly recommend. It's kind of necessary, isn't it? Well, the thing about Nexus is it's, I believe it was $50 for five years. And yeah, something, yeah, I think that's even right. Even yeah. if, and I'm just, we'll go into a little bit of simple math here. If you work a minimum wage job and if you cross the border a couple times a year, you've already made it back in just waiting in line, let alone the gas cost, let alone patience. Mm. One thing I find is when I'm crossing the border, I might only go with people that also have Nexus. So yeah, pretty one much. of the rules with the Nexus program is you can only travel with people that are within, that also have Nexus membership if you are traveling in the Nexus lane. Yeah. So the Nexus lane, more of a shortcut lane, um, you need to have the Nexus membership in order to use this lane to cross the U.S.-Canadian border. Exactly. The other perk of the program as well is you'll typically get less questions on your activities on the other side of the border. Yeah. If you're going in the regular line, they know nothing about you. 
Yeah, because Nexus, that, we're like trusted travelers or something, right? We are the most trusted travelers of them all. <laughs> so in the regular lineup, they need to find out who you are. So they need to find out who you are, where you're going, and they might have some suspicions on, let's say, what you do for work or like how long are you planning on going for the Nexus lane. So what makes the Nexus program a trusted traveler program makes us very trusted travelers is we give up all that personal information ahead of time, which different opinions on that, I'm sure. However, the fact that I'm going to have to give that up each and every time anyways, if they're going to ask me questions about it, when you drive up through the Nexus lane at the land border, you show your Nexus card or it goes through like a touchless scanning thing and then you go up to the booth, but the border agent, uh, CBSA or, um, or let's say the CBP down in the States, uh, the Border mm. Patrol, they'll already have your whole profile open. So, and you're already a trusted traveler. Yeah. Living in White Rock, very close to the border, I might go across just to fill up on gas and just go right back into Canada. Now, to most, that sounds ridiculous. But when it's a five-minute drive away, and typically I'll save probably on 30% on gas yeah. due to yeah, that's right. taxes, cheaper gas in general. Mm. However, it's also exchange rate. Yeah. Still, I'm still saving around 30% or at least a significant amount. So it makes sense to do this, especially when it's nearby or for those that don't live in White Rock, might live in other parts of the greater Vancouver area. It might make sense to go across the border if you're already in White Rock. If I'm already down here in White Rock so far, yeah, just yeah. cross the border, grab gas, go back. Yeah, like I, I think my my dad did it like a, a few years ago. He actually calculated what it would be con- convert the what is it um, U.S. dollars per gallon to liter uh, Canadian dollars per yeah, liter. Yeah, so there is a conversion and, ratio um, for the math with let's say um, your dollar your, your gallons to liters, but also Canadian dollar to U.S. dollar. Your exchange rate is always changing, but that fluid calculation, not so much. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I I remember like at the, this was like years ago, like I think when we were at like 130 or so a liter in the States, it would work out to like 105 or something. A yeah, liter. And it's not um, always the same where gas might increase quicker in Canada. I find out of experience that if you're crossing the border, the, the gas prices don't change as quickly down there. Mm. So let's say if we have a sudden spike up here in Canada. Mm. I don't, I've found that it doesn't spike as quickly down in the States. Yeah. It takes a bit more time for right. it to adjust. Now, why? I don't know. I, I mean, found just out of experience. I'm, I mean, I think over here, what happens is you, you ever notice at night, the gas price will be up or down by like 10 cents or whatever compared to the day. And I find it, it makes a little bit of a difference. I don't like that, but I'll yeah. take what I can. Yeah. I mean, well, and also, um, I mean, that just shows you it's, I don't think it's really on, our prices are not really based on the market. It's based on just manipulation uh, manipulation and business and everything, right? And just... Now, there is an interesting piece, and I wish that we had this here, but they have it out in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, is mm. their government sets the gas price for the week, and every gas station in the whole province needs to have the same gas price. So there is no such thing as cheap gas. Every gas station will have the exact same price regardless of wherever you go. Oh, yeah. It will change once a week if it does. But that change will apply across every gas station in the whole province. Now, mm. there's still logic of jumping the border because, let's say, between Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, they're right next to each other. So if you're living nearby that border, it may make sense to cross, get gas, come back. Same with the Canadian and U.S. border for mm. those that live in White Rock or those that live close to that U.S. Canadian border. Mm. Yeah. 
No, I know people don't like people that that uh I mean, you look at you know, another big city like Toronto or something, for them it's about you know, about a hundred kilometers or hundred twenty or so to uh to the American border, right? So for them they're like, Oh, you know, it's not gonna be worth it. But for us here in Vancouver, in the suburbs especially, the southern suburbs, it's actually uh you know, you spend almost the same time going to a, a local gas station than you would just crossing the border, um, you know, and distance wise, you know. The other piece as well that also adds value if you're crossing the uh, border for gas is you not sure how many of our listeners here will buy stuff online and they'll typically find that it's cheaper to get it shipped to the States, even though mm. like living in White Rock or at least living very close to the border, it's the same distance. Mm. But, oh, if I get it shipped down to the States instead of like, $47 in shipping, it's free shipping, or it's $7 of shipping. So exactly what many of us also have done is we have post office boxes in Blaine. I do so too. <laughs> it's, when there is the right opportunity, it could also be of good value to get items shipped down to the U.S. and pick up your items as you're going down to the border. Now, because we're all law-abiding citizens, we always declare what we've purchased down there, more specifically as a Nexus member. Yes. There are certain duty-free exemptions because, well, technically we're importing goods. True. However, we are always going to be very upfront with what we have purchased. Exactly. Additionally, as well, some items such as common groceries, such as milk, is a common one. There are federal subsidies down in the States for milk in comparison to Canada as the farmers get subsidized down there. So ah. milk and other dairy products are actually significantly cheaper on the other side of the border. So I'm mm. at the gas station. I must well grab a gal yeah. gallon or four liters of milk or oh, other I groceries too. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pay attention to groceries because we like, in my experience, we never really bought groceries in the states. It was more purely just for gas and then uh, clearance sales at like Macy's or something, you know. Yeah. So at the same time, so groceries is one that can sometimes make a good difference because their farms are dairy farms are subsidized. Uh, similarly, um, yeah, gasoline. We have parcel shipments. There's also many different food options for dining that typically we won't find up here in Canada as not all fast food chains are in are international. Mm. Um, some of them that I'll particularly go down to the States for in particular will be um, Panda Express for some uh, very Americanized Chinese food or <laughs> going to um, Applebee's for some good family dining. <laughs> what about, what about, I know, I know you, you go to this one, like Shake Shack, it's called. Shake Shack, yes. Shake However, Shack. that one's just on the other side of the border. That's the drive down to Seattle. That's true. What about, uh, do you know where the closest in and out is as well? in and out so closest one's most likely in San Francisco. So oh, that, it, it'd be a good road, it's a great road trip. Of course, And a yeah. good road trip that I could, have, again, I will happily do at some point in the future when the land border opens again. Mm -hmm. There is a Shake Shack, not Shake Shack, there is a in and out in San Francisco, multiple. Mm -hmm. Most of the in and outs are within that like hour and a half of a certain distribution center in California for who knows what reason. I mean, are you are you sure there's there's like speaking of in and out, are you sure there's there's none in uh in uh, Seattle or the Washington state area? No. No, however, the interesting part is every year and this was more pre uh COVID-19 was that there's this Langley car meet every year. Yes. So city of Langley in BC, it's a suburb of the greater Vancouver area and every year they would have a very large classic car meet. And so this classic car meet would take up city blocks of a whole downtown city center. Is it called the 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 Langley Cruise Inn or whatever? You got it. Yeah, because my, my dad and I, we were just talking about it the other day, actually. So so Langley Cruise Inn typically happens in the first week or so of September. That's right. 
And the interesting part here is Shake is in and out would bring a food truck to the Langley Cruise Inn. Dude, I was just I was just looking it up like today, uh, this morning. I was looking up that event and they said I'll 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 uh, update you on this though. In and out, they're not coming this year though. Apparently. They probably can't get across the border. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so this in and out food truck, the fun part here is because we don't have in and out here. Mm-hmm. And not like it's anywhere close to here. You have to typically drive 10 plus hours, if not fly somewhere to get in and out. But mm-hmm. if it's at your local car meet, so this in and out food truck, it, they would sell tickets to get your food in advance. And because they're just crazy busy, everyone wants in and out. Yeah. Eight o'clock in the morning, they're already sold out to lunch. <laughs> So they'll yeah. sell tickets early on in the morning for lunchtime just to get through that level of transactions. And then they start handing out burgers at the end. Oh, because, really? Well, they've already sold out. So they're just filling the orders and they only have so many burgers. So they will actually sell out. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Cause I, did you go to this? Um, I think it was canceled last year, but did you go like, I've gone in years past years and, past. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, my father and I would go every couple of years or so or every so often to this Langley Cruise and just it's a good social car meet, um, old classic cars, which everyone has their own taste. I'll, appre- I, I, I'll appreciate, but I'm not a diehard. I'm not saying that specific differences between a 66 and 67 Chevelle. Or oh, yeah. like <laughs> I, I can't get into those specifics. There um, are those guys over there that are. Oh, there are. But that's also like comparing to when I was born, like 30, 40 years before <laughs> I was born, which therefore it it begs a question on, well, what do we appreciate and what, like, do we want to live in the past? Mm, yeah, true. I mean, with, because um, I have a question on my mind. Uh, this is why I was actually looking at this uh, Langley Cruisin was, do they ha- have any, like, uh, motorcycles in that event as well? Or I believe so. Yeah? Okay. I believe numerous motorcycles. It's not as large as the four-wheeled variety of vehicles at this large cruisin'. However your Harleys and everything that could possibly have Chrome attached to it will typically be there. Mm, okay. Not typically, not your traditional sport bikes, but yeah, I mean, I, figured. I could show up with a Honda Civic at a car meet and call it a day, but <laughs> it's not the right place for it. Yeah, exactly. That's true. I figured. Cause I, yeah, I looked at the pictures and I saw a couple on their Facebook page. They had some, um, real modded out Harleys and everything. Um, yeah, or like the very old school ones that are or low riders or yeah. anything that's been modified to who knows what end. Yeah, exactly. Oh well, I guess I got to get into that into that sort of uh, sort of community with uh, a Harley Davidson or a collector's car or something. Do you yeah. think you would get a collector's car in the future? If like I had space for it, it one of those seventies ones. Or yeah, whatever. it could be of good interest in the future. Um, at this stage as well. So I live in White Rock and I have a condo where I have one parking spot. Mm. And well, with one parking spot, well, it begs the question on, well, it makes sense to have a daily driver that you can get around to places. It's reliable. It's quick enough. But then at the same time, it's okay. If I were to get a second car, where would I store it? As classic cars, typically, you don't want to just street park a 70s car or anything. True. Anything like, or anything that's not as anything older than ourselves. Pretty much. Yeah. Give it the, you know, make sure that can at least live and survive. And from there, it comes out to, okay, it's the storage, it's the insurance, it's the maintenance, and mm. then when are you going to use it? Yeah. Some of these older cars, they might not have the best AC. That also comes out to the pleasure of driving these older cars, too, depending on 
like no one ever thinks oh a beautiful 67 mustang mm. never no one ever thinks about the fact that it has drum brakes yeah yeah no one ever thinks about no power steering well i mean yeah people uh i guess don't account for the difference in the ride quality let's say you know because we're also used to the newer cars that are very smooth and just beautiful and you go back to these old ones they look freaking sick but uh you you get in them and you drive them and you're like oh she oh shit <laughs> like uh so oh wait we've actually made improvements in cars over the past 50 years <laughs> yeah. to some it might not seem like that from the outside the inside a bit more so and then other things such as safety features where Oh, if you get T-boned or rear-ended because you're, if you rear-end someone because your brakes aren't as strong as you'd expect, well, yeah, you're rear-ending the person, but also you got no airbags. You got no crumple zones. And so that steering column is going probably right into you. Yeah. If not, if not worse, if not better. Mm. You also not have, in a large number of these older vehicles, you're not having shoulder belts. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. It might sound like I'm completely shitting on these older vehicles. They look fantastic. They're great for cruising. Mm. Also, at the same time, I'd love to have one at some point in my life. I think so. Comes yeah. out to his practicality. Yeah. Now, exactly. on my mind, I'd probably be looking at maybe a bit more of a late seventies Mercedes SL. Okay. So mm. you have a little two door convertible. Looks great. Very classy. Very yeah. classy. Yeah. Still comfortable as well. It's a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Late seventies, so you're starting to get into some safety features, and it has some power as well. So I was. Many years ago, my dad had a 67 Mustang while I was growing up. Okay. He owned it for years. Oh, okay. I didn't Bought know it for cheap. Bought it back in the 90s, early 90s. Yeah. They left it in the garage, and it was sitting there for 25 years. Oh, really? <laughs> they bought it, and then he moved. So with moving, well, you got to move the car, too. So at that point, he might as well move it to the restoring, to the restoration shop. Yeah. And then get it fixed up. Okay. And so I got to drive. He got it fixed up. He's not a mechanic by any means, so we got a shop to do the right work because... Right. Let's not let's all do good work that we are okay with doing. I'd rather not do a shoddy quality job on something I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. Same with him, same with others. So car got fixed up. So this was a base model sixty seven Mustang. Mm. So you might think sixties Mustang V eight. What was it? It didn't even have a V eight, it had an inline six. Inline six, okay. So inline six from the sixties, carbureted. Oh big big inline six, but it made a hundred horsepower. Yeah. So I see. you're not I accelerating see quickly, and it's also a three-speed automatic. Oh, it's a, oh, it's only three-speed too. Oh. So it's, a th- okay. it's an automatic. Yeah. Inline six, which you got something cool there. You have an inline six Mustang. Everything now has V V engines, so you have some different engine configurations. However, it does not accelerate quickly. Right. Yeah, I can see. That begs the direction of looking maybe in the future at like a seventies. Uh, Mercedes or 80s Mercedes that it has a bit more power. That mm-hmm. way you're comfortable with the acceleration that you have and it can also be you can justify it as a safety feature. Yeah, I guess so. You need to get out of a situation. Get out you of can, tricky situations. Just, yeah. Just get out of there. Well, I mean, I guess you know, I know you that you like uh, accelerating pretty hard and, uh, you know, power and everything because do you, uh, how do I phrase the question? Are you uh, familiar with uh any uh officers around around the around the region or something you know they're like oh hey that's 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 casey he's he's going so fast Um, well back in the day um a couple stories that set the stage for where i am today Mm -hmm. so i've been a bit more of a car enthusiast since i got got my driver's license and 
back when I was first looking at getting my driver's license, I grew up as an only child. And one Just thing, like me? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great lifestyle that we all love absolutely. to live. Absolutely. However, the fun part comes out to is once I got my driver's license, that changed my independence and my social life significantly. As I can agree with that, yeah. So getting the car... I, then I like getting cars because I like cars because I like driving and it's fun. Of course. And back previously, I've always been into computers, gets into my career. However, at the same time, with being into computers, well, I hear about this car thing because it's something that's coming up because when you turn 16, you get your learner's license. So I should learn about cars. Right. So I learn about cars, become an enthusiast, get to know some of the intricacies. Yeah. And so when you're learning how to drive, you typically don't. Um, as most of us growing up, typically our parents or driving instructors would teach us how to drive because mm-hmm. um, our parents are, and most adults in society are not typically racing their cars on the streets. Yeah. yeah that's so true. you typically don't get an experience on what cars can do. Mm-hmm. You get this is how we should drive, so therefore you drive this way. Mm. And so got my learner's license, got to learn how to drive a bit. And so after that, I get your NBC. We have a couple of different um, levels of driver's license. Your first level being your learners. You have that for around a year. After that year, you can take your road test, and that allows for you to drive on your own. Yes. And that's called your N. Your yeah. N, novice driver, new yeah. driver, noob driver. <laughs> noob driver, yeah, that's right. And they usually so, drive like that, yeah. So year after I got my learners, I got my N. I passed my road test the first time. Ah, excellent. And during the time that I had my learners, I also bought my first car. So my first car was a 1995 Nissan 200SX. Mm-hmm. It is not like a 240SX. It is more of a two-door Sentra. Okay, so I see. The, it, this car, is not, it, it was not that common. Yeah. And so imagine it as this teal color, of ni- perfect 90s color of teal. Right. Two-door coupe, front-wheel drive, made around 115 horsepower. Oh, wow. Now, in the eyes of a 16 and 17 year old. So I was 17, I was 16 at the time when I got my learner's license. So not my learners, but my N because I got my learners on my 16th birthday, the very first day that you possibly could. Yes. And so it's a very fun technicality with our ICBC here who manages our driver's licenses is you can book it 51 weeks. It's not oh, a full you? year. It's actually oh, 51 you? weeks. Okay. So I didn't know that. I was still 16 when I got my, and I got past my road test. I was still 16. Okay. For like a couple days, and that was going to be my 17th Of course, birthday. yeah. So a couple of keys to this puzzle here. The first one is what level of independence that you get when you grow up in a suburb and you have your car mm. and you can finally drive on your own. Now, leading up to the stage here is myself and my dad were doing um, something in Vancouver. I can't even remember the details at this point. Yeah. Um, some sort of event with his work. And this was during spring break. So I parked at his office and then he was going to go back in his own car. And so he was like, at that point, we were leaving to go back home. He asked, let me leave first and then you can just follow me. Okay. That sounds completely reasonable. He's seeing course, his son yeah. drive off for the first time on his own. And I'm like, okay, let's make this happen. Meanwhile, I take a different route than we had originally said. So I leave off from passing him. Mm. Or I should rephrase that. I did not follow him home. Okay. From Richmond to White Rock, there are two main routes that you can use to get there. First one being Highway 99. You go under a t- go through the tunnel and then you come back up 
The other one is Highway 91, which you can also take to get around and through as well. So I took Highway 91, and after he got off to take Highway 99, so he took the exit to Highway 90, 99, and then I just veered off. I did not keep following him because I knew if I, I, I couldn't pass him at that point. Yeah. It doesn't look that good. But if I go a different route, then he doesn't see. So, make my way onto Highway 99. So, these two highways actually re- uh, merge back into Highway 99 at the very end. And so, I have a nice open stretch of two-lane highway. I just got my driver's license within like 24 hours ago. Okay. Yeah. And I have a wide open stretch, no one around. I'm like, I might as well go for it. <laughs> Accelerating this 115 horsepower engine, 100, 120, 110, 120, 130, and then probably around 140 or so. And then I see a car parked on the side of this on the highway, and I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> I slow down, get into the right lane, seeing, oh maybe he didn't see me, maybe he didn't see me. <laughs> and then I keep going at 100, and then I see the lights come on behind me. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> so he pulls me over. You just had your N, you said? I had 24 hours since I got my N. Ooh. So. Ooh, the, the, the stereotype, you're fulfilling the stereotype right Absolutely. There, <laughs> now, I was scared shitless. Of course. I'd never yeah. been pulled over before. Yeah. So how did The cop go? comes up to the window and says, um, how fast do you think you're going? And I'm like, I don't know how fast I was going. I was focused Perfect on answer, right? the best possible <laughs> answer you could have. And so he said, you're doing 140 in a 100 zone. Mm. Now, in BC, we have an excessive speeding law. And so what this means is if you were going 40 kilometers an hour or above the speed limit, they can impound your car for seven days. Yeah. It's a very expensive. It's around $368 for the ticket, somewhere around there. And like the imp- impound, they impound your car is, for like, a week. is like six or $700 or something, Impound right? is like $400, the tow, oh, but yeah. then there's also the tow. Oh, to get yeah, your car yeah, to the impound true. lot is also around a couple hundred dollars. Oh, okay. And then every year for three years, three years, so three three times, you pay a um, driver risk premium, and it comes on your birthday. Yeah, I remember. I remember you had to pay this like like a couple years ago or something. It's a so, nice birthday present, right? <laughs> everyone loves a good birthday pe- a present of a good good old fine from the government for stuff that happened many years ago. So <laughs> I was scared there because. He was like, I'm not, I need to tow your car, or I could potentially tow your car. And then I managed to discuss with the police officer that this is my first time. Now, I'm handing him the paper temporary license that they give you at ICBC. I don't even have a driver's license with my face on it. Because it's, yeah, it's too soon, right? So when you get your driver's license in BC, they will give you a temporary license because your real license comes in the mail because they, they have to, like, printed and like on like an actual card as mm. a driver's license as your ID. So the police officer was very kind and so by being very kind he gave a very basic speeding ticket for like one kilometer or over the speed limit. So I was very thankful. Very nice officer. No. Very nice officer. Now I don't have his name otherwise I'd give him a shout out. <laughs> so a couple bits are leaving the stage here. My dad was leaving Richmond and I got ahead of him because I was speeding. Right. And so I get home a bit later. I got a phone call from my dad or a text message saying, hey, did you see someone pulled over on the side of the highway? <laughs> what, did you, what did you say to him then? I had to own up to it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I got a ticket. 
And, and then he was very disappointed because it was my first day with my driver's license. Oh, I thought he would car. just be like laughing or something, just like. Ah. No, he he pulled off. <laughs> Sucks to suck. No, something. he pulled off uh, parent mode there. Oh, okay, okay. And then when you have your N or your new driver's license, and you'll have this for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get more than six points, so a speeding ticket in BC is typically three points on your driver's license. Yes. If you get six points or above, or I think it's actually more than four points on your driver's license as you are a new driver, oh, okay. they can suspend your driver's license for 30 days. Oh, because with new drivers, there's like uh, high, more stricter restrictions, let's say, you know? You know what? They're new drivers. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. And so during the whole time that I had my and or my new driver's license, I could not get any more tickets. Oh, yeah. I got to be careful then. So that taught me some great lessons. And I managed to, during the whole time that I had my N, not get any speeding tickets. The other fun wow. rule, okay. the other fun rule when you have your N driver's license in BC is you cannot bring more than one passenger with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I was, I've always been one and I still am with capturing data keeping record of things. Right. I managed to have more than one additional passenger in my car around 70-something times while I had my um, driver's license and did not get caught for it. That's lucky, eh? Very lucky. But at the same time, it comes out to one rule in life that I'll typically try to preach for myself and I can share it with others is Mm. only do one illegal thing at a time. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do two illegal things at a time because then you're going to draw attention to yourself. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to speed, if you're speeding, don't be drunk. Yeah. Drunk right. driving's bad. That's right. Or if you're speeding, don't also be overcarrying passengers. Yeah, true. Yeah, because then they just rack up the fines on you, right? And then Absolutely. It's, uh, exponentially worse, you know? Because I know like with, um, I mean, you, you know this from a couple years ago, but for other people who might be listening, you know, a couple years ago here in Vancouver, I never understood why uh, people were so afraid of the police, let's say, that had nice cars and everything. And I'm like, why? You're just Absolutely. like everyone else, right? And I never knew until I bought my my uh, super sport motorcycle, my Honda CBR 600RR, shout out right there. Fast and, bike. <laughs> yeah, fast bike. And, uh, you know, obviously with motorcycles pe- and, and nice cars, one of the first things you do, especially motorcycles, you switch the exhaust to an aftermarket one because the stock ones just they are such a... Uh, like, you know, very quiet and very, uh, you know, you want to be heard as well, right? Uh, for safety. Loud you know. bikes save lives. Exactly. That's pretty. We'll, even if it isn't true, we will always believe that. Loud we pipes. We will always believe that. That's exactly right. And, uh, yeah, I was just on a Sunday afternoon. I was going back through Vancouver through commercial drive, right? Back to um, to White Rock because I needed to go fly after in so Boundary Bay. So set the stage of commercial drive here. Yeah, commercial drive. It's a very, uh, you know, lively kind of happening street. Uh, lots of bars, pubs. Um, Vancouver police, you know, seems to be in that area probably. I would say probably because they're looking for drunk drivers, I would say. Maybe. They might not have anything better to do as well. That's true. I mean, especially on a Sunday uh, in the middle of the day. They're looking right? out for you. Exactly. And, Keeping our streets safe. From and I, people like on you on motorcycles that might be yeah. maybe uh, doing the speed limit. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this case, I actually was doing the speed limit because I was with the other traffic, right? And... Uh, but and he's, you know, we pass him. Me and the traffic, we pass him. He's he's sitting in the side street looking to turn in, and he we pass him, and then all of a sudden he just targets targets me out, and just pulls up behind me and just whoop 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 whoop, and then pulls me over and just gives me a shakedown. Basically, you know, your your exhaust is too loud, your plate is improperly 
um, mounted, your turn signals are too close together, all this other crap. So then in the end, at the end of the day, I get what's called a VI, vehicle inspection order. And those things, the problem is you can't dispute them. So it's an automatic, you know, $200 or whatever for the inspection, right? That you cannot dispute uh, like, a, like a normal ticket, right? So uh, that's what happened. And you, the, the stupid thing was, though, with the exhaust, uh, he uh, puts the, his sound meter, he has a little decibel thing, and he puts it right, like right at the outlet of your pipe. When I looked up the regulations after, and it's supposed to be uh, one meter back and one meter to the side is where the two testing points are, not right at the outlet. Because obviously, you're not... It's going to be louder. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, as a, as a person, you know, simulating like the, the ear of a human person, no one's going to put their ear right up to an exhaust like that anyway, Flop, right? Pop, 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 pop. Yeah, like who's going to do that? So, I don't know, that was just my experience. I mean, I don't know, have you, I know you've been impounded, you, you were impounded. Have you ever been, uh, gone to a, for a vehicle inspection? I have inspection? not had a vehicle oh. inspection, no. Okay. Um, Again, one of these interesting ones was a car that I had after that Nissan. So I had this Hyundai Genesis Coupe. Right. Great car. Had the car for four and a half years. So when I bought the car, I bought this car and it was, well, it was from Surrey. Okay. And so um, it had front tinted windows, which are illegal in BC. Oh, yeah, that's right. So on your passenger and driver's windows, you cannot have window tint that's blocking light. Mm, okay. I can't remember the exact regulation for it. Yeah. We can all look stuff up online. But anyhow, this one here had tinted windows. Mm. So the funny part here is two, I got two police stories that are going to be quite – that makes sense in terms of the order here. Mm-hmm. So the first one was I, I went to school in Burnaby and then live in White Rock. So it's around an hour's drive each way. And yeah. I was living with my family while I was going to school. And so I was driving home from school one day. And you know what? I got a nice little open stretch of highway. And I have a radar detector too. So I'll use a radar detector to also mm, keep my eye out on the police. Yeah. However, I had the radar detector turned off while I was in the city because it kept going off like crazy. Okay. And so... I was flooring it, and I thought I saw something, but I was I was doing some good speed. Mm. And then I have a nice little open stretch of highway, and I just go for it. Okay. But <laughs> what I did not realize is there's a cop behind me. And so, therefore, <laughs> I was caught doing around 65 kilometers over the speed limit. And so it was around a 90 kilometers an hour zone and a 155 kilometers an hour that I was going. Ooh. So they took away my car for a week. Damn. Now... I had tinted windows at a point too. Yeah. And it was like three degrees outside. It was middle of winter. Mm-mm. And I'm thinking to myself, let's make sure I don't get too many tickets here. Yeah. I kept both windows rolled down while the car was off uh, while waiting for the tow truck. Ah, that's Because you have to wait for the tow truck. So I'm like, I have to keep the windows down as long as I can. That's quick thinking. Yeah. I did roll up the windows when the tow truck came to tow it away just mm. because, well, tickets already written. I'm not, he's not going to go back and just nail me for windows too. Yeah, exactly. Two weeks later, after I got the car taken away, I got the car back. I'm driving into school this time. It's like bumper-to-bumper traffic. Mm. And I start seeing a cop coming up behind, like just, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. Cops coming up from behind. I'm thinking, okay, time to roll down windows. Yeah, yeah. It was too late. Oh, I see. So that one there wasn't a vehicle inspection, Mm. but... They did make me go get it fixed. Like the fix-it ticket, the classic fix-it ticket. So what, what is that? Like you have like like 14 days or something yeah, to fix so it or something? Yeah, so this one then... here, was, it didn't even have a dollar amount to it. Yeah. Well, at least they had a dollar amount that was going to get wiped away if 
I got it fixed. So basically, I had to get the window tint removed, and then go to a police station, and then they take a look at it. Yeah, exactly. So I got that done, and I go to the police station, and then they go downstairs to take a look at the car. Mm. They also asked for me to turn on the car, okay. rev the car a bit. Yeah. yeah, stock exhaust. So we're fine there. Oh, okay. Yeah. But still, it's a little bit of time and hassle where I, and at the same time, I was meaning to get the front, the front window tint taken away anyways, because it was a very much a challenge to park the car at night. True. Or to could... drive at night in the winter. In the winter. Yeah. Front tinted cold. windows, back, back windows were also tinted. Yeah. So good luck seeing anything. <laughs> There's no backup cameras and it was a two door coupe. So it's very difficult. It has a raised rear end. So the design of the car, it's very difficult to park. Yeah. And so the front window tint taken away was probably for the best. Yeah, I could see I could see that. I mean, I've seen I've seen uh several cars uh in, you know, downtown Vancouver, downtown Toronto that are tinted windows and, you know, they think they look cool and everything at night and everything, but I'm like, I don't know, like you better be a one of the best drivers in the world cuz you it know, would how be, are you going to It makes sense if you live in a warm climate. Like, yeah. let's say I live okay. in Las Vegas, Nevada. Right. It would make sense because it's 110 degrees in the summer and mm. it's something to make it a bit less, like a bit cooler in the car itself. Yeah, exactly. But then driving at night, good luck. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I, I don't find it helps. I mean, and like, you know, you're not going to see a pedestrian or whatever sometimes, you know, that's coming from the side, you know, like, I don't People know. People like wearing black. I don't know exactly, why. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, part of me would love to hit, um, you know, make sure that we um, keep ourselves visible when we're walking about at night. But that's true. Not everyone's good at that. That's very true. I mean, you wonder these people that get hit as pedestrians or as cyclists uh, at night, you know, and they're blaming, you know, the 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 driver that hit them. Yet they're going around at two a.m. in a black hoodie, black black jeans, they're probably black breaking, shoes and everything. They're probably breaking into stores at the same time. Exactly. Those hoodlums. Exactly. <laughs> Stay home, you hoodlums, or those at least. Hoodlums, man. Yeah, those those ridiculous teenagers. My goodness. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, I okay. Well, you know, honestly, I would hearing that story about your tinted windows. I I would prefer that they would resort. The police would resort to that sort of um, fix punishment it. in a way is to fix it absolutely because you still have to pay yourself to to get it removed. Or, uh, yeah, I had to pay a shop to get it to, removed. So to get and yeah. whatever it is fixed, but. There's none of this bullshit where you have to pay the government two hundred dollars or two hundred fifty dollars after, right? Correct. However, if I um, waited to get that yeah. done, then next time that I were to get pulled over for it, mm. vehicle inspection. Yes, that's right. Because you've already been warned, and essentially, Correct. right? And if you don't do it, then it doesn't help. Yeah, that's right. But uh, any any other uh, tickets? Because uh, like I've actually pretty I've actually been really lucky in my driving life uh, that. Other than this, this VI experience that I had in Vancouver, and uh, that I've never had any other tickets before. I've gotten, I've gotten a warning one time in BC uh, for for speeding when what I had my warning? N. What was the warning? So basically, what it was was uh, it was when I had my N, and uh, I was I think it was in the summer when I came back from university one of the years, and I drove. I was basically driving my mom to work so that we, I could use her car during the day. And you know I what? Drive... That's so humbling and honestly so appreciative that you're driving my mother to work. Exactly, right? Only for a certain period, a definite period of time and uh, not indefinite. But, but yeah, and so I drive her to work. I pick her up later. But when I drive her to work, I drive her, you know, in my pajamas because, you know, she works early. And I'm coming back along King George there, right? Uh, it's kind of like a... 
a road that I think the the speed limit's seventy when really it should be like ninety or hundred. It should be like one fifty, but <laughs> yeah. But you know, an actual more realistic, like reasonable speed limit. Ninety would be acceptable. Yeah, ninety would be acceptable. I would accept that because you know it's in the farmland and everything, right? And uh, two lanes each way, barriers, everything. I'm coming home and I'm doing one hundred. The speed limit's seventy, and I'm passing this other this other car because I'm driving home now. I'm passing this other car that's going maybe like ninety five. So I'm passing just barely. You're right? slowly passing. Slowly passing, like normal, normal traffic. And there's a, I see the cop. There's a cop actually behind me, and I was like, oh well, you know, we're just. I'm in the passing lane, so I should be passing anyway. And uh, anyway, he comes up behind me, and I guess just paces me to see what speed we're doing, and then he lights me up, and then obviously because I had my N, it's an easy thing we're just here to check in exactly and so he pulls me over and basically you know asks me you know why was i going so fast and i'm like oh i'm i I couldn't even answer i'm just like i'm i don't know i'm just going with the traffic traffic. and uh he says you know like i could give you a speeding ticket right now like but because he was actually going this is what he said he was actually going to traffic court that day uh so he said he doesn't have time doesn't have time to go through the whole paperwork so he just said slow down like verbal warning and uh you know he let me go, and he he was off, he pulled out before I even pulled out. Those afterwards. are great lessons to be learned. Very good lessons to be learned. Now you know if I who's to say you know if I didn't have my N on at the time would I have been pulled over? Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, but well, um, then you would have been getting you would have been getting a ticket if he saw your driver's license. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, depending on the illegal activities that you're doing, there comes better opportunities to be a good citizen or to be very um, to blend in nicely. That's true. I mean, I also had this other uh, speed warning just um, a couple months. It was, uh, what was it? I think it was May long weekend, I believe it was, in Ontario this year. And I was going with my friend. We're going to the beaches outside of Toronto. And we were going off the highway through the city streets of of a town called Newmarket, a suburb out there. And the city streets in in Toronto, um, for the suburbs, they're they're wider than our highways. They're three My lanes goodness. each way, four lanes each way, sort of thing. So it's very temp- long blocks. It's very tempting to go fast. Speed limit sixty. I'm going about. 90. That sounds like you could do at least a maybe twelve, thirteen kilometers an hour yeah. at a zero, and you can get the reasoning there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I was going very calmly at a calm one hundred kilometers an hour. And I didn't even feel it, though. I didn't even notice I was. And anyway, we get to a light, and my my friend was actually in the Golf R. He was driving the Golf R as well at the time. And so he's going the exact same speed as me behind me. But the cop, all of a sudden, at the light, pulls up next to us and just asks, pull, rolls down his window. He's like, hey, do you mind uh, having a chat up after the light here? He's like, you're going a little fast. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. He asks me, are you gonna, you're not going to run, are you? I said, no, 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 man, not at all, because I want to establish good rapport and everything, right? You're making good with the bike community. Exactly, and more, more often than not, like I would say almost 80 to 90% of the time, if you're cooperative like that, for stuff and you're not you don't put up like a huge like oh you know fuck you and you know you're bullshit officer or whatever or you run from the cops or you run which bikers are known to to do you can you actually they give you they you how do you say they will let you off with almost everything we're all um, human exactly and they understand it was a nice day it's a long weekend he just he just uh, wrote me a warning and it's it's in the system now but you know it was more appreciative because he could you know it would have been like three hundred dollars the ticket right we so, got better places um, to spend our money. Exactly. So uh, he was all, 
that was a good cop and he he was also actually he rides as well um he rides a cruiser because i i talked to him afterwards so he understands but um yeah and other than that i mean i can't really think of i've been stopped with my mom before but she was driving luckily so what did your mother do so it was it was actually again in on in northern ontario though where there's the opp this. The OPP. So the equivalent of the RCMP, basically. Yeah, Ontario, Ontario Provincial though. Police. Exactly. And they pulled us over in one of those towns where the speed limit drops from 100 to 70 and uh, without you even noticing. And uh, we kept our speed at 100 going through the town. And there was we didn't even know we passed an OPP that was at the Tim Hortons, pulling out of the Tim Hortons. He catches up to us. We were driving across country to university at the time. So our, our Saturn Outlook SUV was packed to the brim. So we couldn't see him with his lights on behind us. So, uh, but he, so he pulls out into our mirror line of sight, and then we say, "Oh, okay." We pull over. Very nice guy. We he asks us where we're going. We say Queens. Turns out his uh, his daughter was actually in law school at Queens at the university. Let me guess. He asked if you knew her. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was going to first year, so I I knew no one, but wow. at the time. But he uh, instead of giving us the the thirty dollar the 30 kilometers an hour over the speed limit ticket, which I think is around $300. He gave us, like you said, like you got before the, the one, one kilometer. So it was like, it was like $20 or something for us. It still um, hurts, but not as bad. Exactly. Cause he told us he knows how expensive the university is. So, so kind of him. Very Just kind. keeping an eye out for our local students. Very kind. What about this though? Since we're on the topic, uh, speaking of tickets in the States, have you heard of these ones where they, they ask the, it's like pay on the spot sort of thing i haven't seen as much of that i've seen more so in the states where they need you to go into court okay now the interesting part for certain provinces and i recommend for all listeners to do their own research and Mm. do their due diligence is having a driver's license based out of british columbia british columbia does not have reciprocity or um I can't pronounce nicely today, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, it's they're not going to reciprocate points that are that are, are that are taking on infractions in other provinces or countries. Exactly. So if I happen to be ever so kind and drive out to Ontario one day with my BC driver's license and get a nice large ticket, mm. yes, I'll have to pay the ticket, but that's not going to impact my driving record. Yes, that's right. Similarly, if I happen to be driving down to San Francisco. For a long weekend and i happen to be doing some very uh quick speeds if i were to have gotten pulled over and getting a speeding ticket yes it's going to be expensive but mm. it's not going to impact whether i can drive drive home or not yeah that's right i mean have you have you have you seen those those channels on youtube where those guys are have those supercars or sports cars and they go for those uh drives down you know, like long distance drives, rallies, rallies or whatever. And uh, I would they, love to do a rally. they bring about, they budget for tickets because they know they're going to get. Well, tickets. they're not budgeting for tickets. They're budgeting for bail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. the big difference between at least British Columbia and most likely Ontario and other parts of the world is in the U.S. You can actually get arrested for speeding. Yes. So they will handcuff you and take you away. Mm-hmm. So Ludicrous. for some of those rallies, you actually should bring some cash yes some large sums of cash in order to get your buddies out of jail that's right (laughs) because we all don't want to leave a friend behind exactly 
No, that's crazy that they, you'd go to jail for speeding over there. There's also videos online of people purposely getting tickets because you know what? That's just good clickbait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe I should do that in my in my videos. I don't know. Um, making sure that it's sponsored <laughs> first is probably a good option. Yeah, right? that's true. Letting that's true. our good sponsors and organizations that we like to work with allow for us to make entertaining content. Instead of paying for it with my with my salary, with my own hard-earned salary. Yeah, well. Or first one to get the ticket doesn't have to pay for it. The last guy does. Has to pay oh, for everyone's tickets. yes. That's a so, good little rule. I mean, there's other ways that you can negotiate this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, I'll be honest with you. I wrote down, I planned this episode, and basically just through us talking naturally, we basically we covered everything that I had written on the screen, which is amazing. We have some good stories to tell places Very that we've seen stories. and some good and experiences that we can share with you others and the fun part here my last speeding ticket was at excessive speeding ticket and that was almost five years ago yes bc only keeps driver records of your or they'll keep records but on your driving record if it was more than five years ago it doesn't show up so and it won't i have your insurance or anything i have right? a very clean driving record at this point at this point uh... and at this point i drive quickly that's in right. a 2017 Golf R, which Rightfully I so. use various tools these days, such as radar t detection and ways to ways, help yeah. with not getting pulled over. Um, one story that will help highlight this is last summer I was in my Genesis Coupe driving back from a quick day trip up to 100 Mile House. Um, 100 Mile House is around 470 kilometers each way mm -hmm. from Vancouver, so... Long distance um, drive, yeah. Good long day trip. Grabbed a really good burger spot up there called um, Gourmet Burger Revolution or GBR. I remember you did this like last summer or something, right? It, this was last summer. With, so. uh, what's his name, Brad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a friend of mine, Brad. Yeah, he has a friend, Focus yeah. RS. Um, but anyhow, okay. I was driving back. We are passing through Hope. So Hope, you're starting getting into Chilliwack, into the lower mainland. And this was, it was dark at like 9.30 at night. Mm. And my radar detector goes off. Okay. And I'm doing around a bit more than excessive speed, which is 40 kilometers an hour over the speed line. So I slam <laughs> on my brakes. And then I move over into the right lane. And lo and behold, there is police up ahead that my radar <laughs> saved me from and saved everyone behind me that was also going fast. Okay. And no one could see them. But my radar detector caught it before. And it was laser detection. So there's different types of radar and laser bands that can make a difference off of, well, how screwed am I if they actually catch me? So mm. laser, it's line of sight, and it's not like you're getting protected from it. Yes. So I can have a laser, like radar gun. Mm. Not laser radar, like a laser um, speed measuring device. Yeah, yeah. And I can point it at your... Uh, motorcycle and I have a read on you. Yeah. You're not getting yourself out of that yeah. with, let's say, a radar detector because it comes up to the point you're already screwed. True. But if I slow down enough, they might not want to pull me over. Mm -hmm. Or they might not think that I know that I've already been lasered because it's a detector. Yes. So I see. What radar you're detector, I slowed myself down to the speed limit, made my way over into the right lane. Mm. So did everyone behind me. <laughs> Went on past. As I could see that they're about to get ready to walk out of their nice little um, path there and start pulling people in. Oh, well, okay. And therefore, I heard over, I got a phone call right afterwards. The, thank you. 
phone call. <laughs> Look at you saving the day. Casey yeah. saving the day. Well, do you have um do you uh have a plug for the for the device uh, for the brand you use for your um detector? I use a Valentine 1 radar detector. It's simple and effective. There is a Valentine 1 version 2. Mm. Not a Valentine 2, a Valentine 1 version 2. I highly okay. recommend. I have the regular Valentine 1. Yeah. But at the same time, a radar detector is a tool. It is not going to save you from tickets on its own. It's not a magical device that you plug in and you're not going to get, get, ever get pulled over. Mm. You have to use the device and understand how it works in order to protect yourself from police interference. Oh, okay. So yeah. very similar to how laser works. You have to understand how laser works in comparison to some radar bands. Radar is not line of sight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So bands will spread as the radar is um, being used. So it could be around a corner. I have time to slow down before they even see me. Ah, okay. I see what you're so saying. So some of these radar and laser understandings can really help on how you're going to get yourself out of get yourself out of something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Similarly, I could run Waze, a popular mobile app. They can tell me if there's police coming up, but it doesn't help if no one's reporting it. Mm. Or certain things on their own. These are all tools in our tool belts in order to help make us safe drivers. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, I guess I guess uh, you'd recommend uh, people should invest. It would be a good investment if you're going. If you, if you find it to be a, all the time, right? Uh, all I'll say there is, it has saved me more than it costs. I see. And for those that feel the same, it may be a worthwhile investment, mm -hmm. as long as you understand how it works. Do your research on what features that you will be needing, and you. Another piece with the Valentine one that I felt was very helpful after my impound is I programmed it on certain bands, therefore it's not going to go off like crazy in a city center. Right, yeah. If I'm going through downtown Vancouver, I'm not going to be doing anything ridiculous. Of course, yeah. I keep certain activities for the right place and time. Okay. Some of those bit more wide open highways, let's be safe about whatever we're doing. Mm, okay. Well, wiser words never, never have been spoken. Um, uh, just, just save your speeding for the good roads. Don't speed. Uh, be a good driver. Uh, stay in the right lane. All good words to be said. Absolutely. Well, on that note, um, I do this thing with the guests, you know, like they do on Hot Ones on YouTube. This camera, this camera, this camera, except we don't have cameras. But basically, you know, opportunity pr to promote yourself. Casey, Go ahead. Casey Callahan on Instagram. Follow away. Also, at the same time, I stay in the dark. <laughs> excellent well i i'll uh i'll post your um instagram link uh in the description if that's okay with you and people can follow you if they want so Casey's away. interesting individual so definitely recommend it so with that being said this is misha peterzak this was casey callahan and um thanks for listening everyone and we will catch you on the next one ciao <laughs>